from a personal brand celebrity type thing what we can do is like really start making tech skills cool and yeah. make it make it very clear that anybody can do it and it's you don't have to be like just a brainiac nerd it's just a language speaking of communication that like mm -hmm. we talked about in the beginning and people learn new languages every day what's the fastest way to learn the language what's the fastest if i want to learn french what should i do go to france oh go to france. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right if i want to learn spanish like where should i go i mean go to spain go to puerto rico go to yeah. cuba whatever you're gonna learn it real fast he's like oh it's possible to learn french in like three months i bet you if you go there you'll figure out how to survive the yeah. same type of thing like what do we do from Atlanta, we bought a one-way ticket to San Francisco and just immersed ourselves in the environment. There was no way back. I had a place to live for a month. If I didn't figure it out, I would have, I would have, I would have got kicked out of my house. That was September 2014. I'm still here. There's not a lot of people that look like me here, by the way. I know, man. I know. <laughs> you know. So, been... so, <laughs> so. Anyway, long, long story short, like I think, I think that's what we got to do. Yo, 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 what up, y'all? Dímelo, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Quien Tu Eres podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know it's your boy, Pavel, bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. The clip you just heard on the intro was from this week's episode with my man, Ruben Harris. Before getting into the full episode, let me give you a quick little bio on Ruben. Ruben Harris is a Bay Area transplant from Atlanta, Georgia. As he mentioned in the clip, he bought a one-way ticket from Atlanta, moved to San Francisco without a job or any experience in tech, and landed a position in partnerships and sales within a tech company three weeks later. He actually documented this whole experience in a viral blog post called Breaking Into Startups. And after receiving thousands of emails asking how he broke into tech, Ruben co-founded the Breaking Into Startups podcast to demystify the process and it resulted in a social media reach of 3 million people, 200,000 plus downloads, and 10,000 plus website visits per month, over 100 plus reviews on iTunes, and a Facebook community of 10,000 plus people. He was even invited to be a contributor for TechCrunch and Black Enterprise as a result of this virality. These days, he's the CEO of Career Karma, which is the easiest way to find a job training program online. Career Karma helps over 1 million workers navigate their careers each month through advice and coaching. By offering free coaching and peer mentorship, Career Karma has grown to over 150,000 members from everyday backgrounds and professions. They've actually already closed a $10 million Series A funding round. And this is clearly just the beginning. Fun fact about Ruben, he isn't all just about business and being the CEO of this dope company called Career Karma. He's also been playing the cello for about 25 years. He's taught music, performed at venues all over the world, including Carnegie Hall, and even landed placements from Def Jam. This is going to be a dope episode, y'all. I'm excited for y'all to listen to it. And with that said, let's get into it. Let me hit. Right, I hit record. Um, so yeah, man. Use. Uh, so we didn't get to do a prep session. So I could give you a little bit about what I'm trying to do, man. I mean, what the ultimate mission for us is really to redefine the word professionalism, because when you think about the word professionalism, in many ways, I think that we've been taught culturally 
whether it's people of color, we think just black or Latino, we've been taught that so many parts of our identity are unprofessional. You know what I mean? Like our tone is deemed as aggressive. Um, our speech is seen as ghetto. Our like curly hair is seen as untamed and all these things, right? So with the podcast, Quien Tu Eres, I'm really trying to get down to the point of trying to answer that question, like, who are you? Because I think many of our coworkers don't even know who we are because many times we code switch, we fake it, right? And what I'm really trying to explore is this conflict between authenticity and professionalism. And both of those are buzzwords that no one really talks about what the fuck it means, right? So why I was really excited to talk to you is because a previous guest said this like phrase and, it, and when I thought about you, it described you so well. It was like, for me, you're the perfect blend of swag and substance because somebody could look at you and be like, yo, who's this Fashion Nova model? <laughs> but then also when they look at your bio and they say like, yo, this dude is a CEO, he's done like all these things. So I'd love to just get to know like all these podcasts that I listen to of you. It's all about like marketing strategies. How did you get to white combinator? But they don't really talk about like Ruben, the person, right? So let's get into it, man. Like with the word authenticity, such a buzzword, like what does that word mean to you? Like when people tell you to be your authentic self, what comes to mind for you? Yeah. Um, I like I like that just the way that you get that preamble like that. I think um, I put up something over the weekend. I have to pull it up now. It's it's gonna be like super, maybe a little corny to you, but I think yeah. I think it's important to bring up because it's it's from X Men, um, and Magneto essentially says that like if you're using half of your concentration to look normal then you're only half paying attention to whatever else you're doing. So just pointing out something that could change, that could save your life. You want society to accept you, but you can't even accept yourself. So that's what Magneto said. And the reason why I bring it up is because a lot of people, like you said, are trying to code switch or like pretend, pretend to be somebody else because they want to be accepted by society, not realizing that like you embracing who you are is actually what makes you valuable and what makes you desired. Um, a lot of people, I mean, we live in a competitive society. So if you think about competition naturally, um, you're never going to win by being like everybody else. And so when I think about um, authenticity, I think that to your point, you do have to have a blend of of not not ruffling too many feathers in the beginning, right? But like also not being true to your roots. And so. Um, I, I think that that quote that I shared it captures it. If you feel like you're starting to pretend, um, then it's going to be a problem. And uh, I'll just end my answer by just saying that, like, I saw another quote that said, like, adults do a better job of pretending than children do. And I think that, like, <laughs> we shouldn't do that. No, hundred percent, man. I used to tell people, like, I'm a full time salesperson, but I'm also a full time actor because when I go into certain spaces, it's legit. Like, I deserve an Oscar performance, right? Like from how we talk to how we dress, like we really like change who we are at the core. And I forget what you said exactly, but I think it's something about like your essence, right? Like tell me in like who you, who you actually are. Tell me, tell me more about that. Even like when you were growing up, right? In Atlanta for, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? So, like Give me that picture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up in Atlanta uh, surrounded by other people that like me. And I think that like, I mean, this, just like looking at the images in the back of what you have right here. Like you have Basquiat, you have Muhammad Ali, you have like great people that are, you got the fist up, you got the Puerto Rican flag. Um, 
I grew up around like imagery like that and, and people um, that, that were very um, braggadocious, right? Rappers, right? That like, I'm the greatest. Like I'm, I'm the best rapper alive. Like I'm Atlanta's, at, at, I, I grew up when New York was still hot, like the, the place for music, but Atlanta was coming up like, and being very braggadocious, like Outkast, you know, had Wu-Tang vibes in the beginning, but like eventually like, the trap sound started coming out with like Jeezy and T.I. and all these different people. Like T.I. was rubbing a lot of feathers talking about how he's the king of the South. So, you know, growing up, I would say I didn't suffer from a lack of confidence or insecurity. However, um, I would say that like, it took me a while to understand what my identity is. And I'll tell you why, because like, um, my mother's Cuban, my father is black. And but my father speaks Spanish and they wanted to teach us Spanish um, before anything. And so when I went to school, I couldn't speak English. And so when I was growing up around a lot of black people, you know, they didn't fully accept me because I was Hispanic. But then when I was around a bunch of Hispanic people, they didn't fully accept me because I was black. And then like to make it even more weird, I've been playing the cello since I was four years old. So I'm like super, like I'm around a bunch of white people as well. So like, I really had to learn how to adapt and interact in different environments. So you have like the classy, the ghetto, the cultured, the West Indian type of black, the African type of black, like the American South type of black. And so um, before going into, into kindergarten, I actually was part of, uh, Montessori school and what's interesting about Montessori school is it's mid-stage classrooms they teach you how to um, not just have an individual identity but also have a sense of community um, and I always wanted to build something but I never knew what it was but I would say like um, my parents never forced me to to be somebody that I'm not or to be like them they just kind of taught me to be proud of being me and like manifesting whatever that is into the earth so that's yeah that's how I grew up. And, and it's crazy like i didn't know um that you had a cuban background until i was stalking your instagram and i clicked on a bunch of pictures and it was, there was one picture in particular which um i don't know who the dude is but you know looks like you i'm assuming it's like a family member but i think he had like in the caption it had a dominican flag and then you also had a cuban flag and i was like oh shit, he's latino but to your point, like you probably got that all the time. I get that as well. Like most people don't think I'm Latino. Most people, I think I'm think I'm mixed. They just think I'm black mm -hmm. and white. Um, mm -hmm. But it's interesting too, man, because I have friends that are that are Dominican, and they don't feel like they can represent them being Dominican because they can't speak Spanish. And I feel like culturally, many times it's like like we're very judgmental, right? Like if you can't do certain things, it's like oh, you're not this enough. You're not that enough. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. sometimes, man, like I feel more comfortable around just black people that don't identify as Latino or Latina because there isn't necessarily that like qualifier all, all the time. Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what Pitchy's talking about. It's, it's with my um, uh, one of my best friends, uh, Pedro Fria, and yeah, so he's yeah, Dominican. Yeah. And um, you know, growing up with my parents, like we listened to you know Juan Luis Guerra, yeah. um, you know Bachata Rosa, all that type of stuff. 
Um, and so like my, 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 my babysitter was Dominican. My barbers were Dominican. Oh, um, in everybody, uh, everybody, everybody got a everybody Dominican went, yeah. barber. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So like that's, that, that's, that's the roots, you know, and, you know, going to the barber is like therapy. Like I still go to the barber weekly. Um, and it's not just cause of like, you want to look good. Um, they know you, like it's, you build a lot of trust there. Um, they encourage you. Uh, when you are down because like even though i have a lot of confidence like this who doesn't go through ups and downs with human beings um but yeah yeah no he's, he's one of my best friends yeah. i always say that barbers are under underpaid therapists man bro i think there's like a billion dollar idea where like a bar it's not just like a barbershop app like squire which is shout out to squire for what they've created but like imagine if like barbers could have some kind of like a check-in system where they they could track each of their clients' moods, and while they're talking to them, they could track how the conversation was. So the next time that they come, they can actually like really start feeding them information to track their mood over time. So like barbers not only going through barber school, but also getting coaching to be like therapists. Essentially, I yeah. think it'd be pretty pretty powerful, and especially with so much things happening with mental health, because um, they have an hour of their time, you know. Yeah. And a lot of times, the people that are training with them are like athletes or celebrities that actually have quite a few mental health issues um there's many people that come from from trauma so and i think it's not just for men i think it's for women as well so i think there's something in the psychology space in the hair industry um but that's not my space yet that's gonna be that's gonna be the next course (laughs) of career karma 2024 (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right i'll go for it go for it I was gonna say I already talked to my barber about it. I was like, yeah, I think that would be, I think that would be pretty lit. So anyway, yeah, yeah. now that's interesting, man. And tell, tell me a bit, a little bit about like, so when you grew up, people looking like you, like one of the quotes that you said, man, is like, I forget exactly. I'm probably butchered this, but something about like growing up, like I never saw tech as attainable or, or even as an option, right? Like we always think that the only options are like bankers and lawyers and, and these like quote unquote traditional fields, like. As far as representation career-wise growing up, like, did you see certain things that sort of like push you towards, you know, the investment banking world? Because I know that's where you, where you started. Yeah, so I didn't know what investment banking was till I was 24, 25. Um, so like, since I started off as a musician, I wanted to be like big in music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I almost dropped out of college because of that. Like I went to the Grammys, I did a lot of studio musician work. I wow. uh, worked with Zaytoven, I worked with Tricky in the Dream Studio um, with the producer named Sounds. Um, I did records with Kelly Rowland. I did records with like Travis Porter, um, all these people coming up. So like I wanted to be big in the hip hop world because that's what I saw. So it was either I would be a producer, I want to be a club promoter because I saw a lot of club promoters getting money. Um, obviously, like when you see people in the club world, there's a darker side of the world. So like that's why you become big fans of like Scarface and people like that and like that type of a hustle. But like didn't go in that direction. Then you have like um, you have um, politicians that do very well. You have doctors. You have lawyers. Um, that's pretty much like what you see as successful. Um, at least at least growing up um or start a business uh and and growing up i always said i was going to start a business Uh, so like when i when i and 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 when i got a job in investment banking the first time my mom was shocked because like from a baby i've always said i wanted to be an entrepreneur 
Um, so going to, to your, how I got exposed to it, um, my teleteacher actually was like, hey man, you're this great musician. Um, you're performing all over the place. You're like, there's not a lot of people that look like you that play the cello. Um, and you can keep going in this direction if you want to. However, um, if you want to be big in music, the way to, and this is actually pretty interesting because it's very consistent with like Peter Thiel's competition is for losers type of thing. He said, don't compete with musicians at their game, compete at something that they're not good at, which is business. And a lot of artists like think that business establishes their art. And it's interesting you have Basquiat on your wall because he was very cool with um, Andy Warhol. Mm-hmm. And like they talk a lot about business and art, and which is a very interesting conversation, especially like now that NFTs are such a big thing, which is, mm-hmm. I digress a little bit. But um, the reason why I talk about it is because um, if you stop seeing business as something that dilutes your art, but something that's necessary to master, because once you achieve a certain level of success, you're forced to learn business because you become your own brand. And yeah. you don't want to be screwed over um, by signing messed up deals, which is what yeah. Prince was fighting for, which he would be like an icon. To the, I mean, he's already an icon, but like he would like he was like the leader of NFT type stuff before. Um, in addition to Wu-Tang and other people, um, MF Doom, yeah. RIP MF Doom. Um, but like um, going back to this business type of thing, um, my child teacher said master business if you want to win. And so... My sister's violin teacher's husband was a um, a guy in private equity. And he told me if I wanted to learn business in a short amount of time, I needed to do investment banking because you would work 80 to 100 hours a week. And you would be doing that for two or three years. So 10,000 hour theory, Malcolm Gladwell type of stuff, you're going to master business in that amount of time. Mm-hmm. So, um, but when I was in college, I thought like, this is, you know, I don't know anything about how investment banking works. I think you just, get a degree, you get a job as a banker, done. But like, I didn't realize you had to like have your internship, you had to like secure it in your senior year and all these other things. So long story short, when I graduated, I had no internships and I had a very crappy GPA. Um, so, and yeah. long story short, I, I discovered a website, a course that helped me get into space. Um, and it was because of the internet that I, I discovered investment banking and I was able to get into it. Yeah. What was that like working in that space? And you often refer to this word like breaking into, right? Breaking into finance, breaking into tech, um, the blog and all the podcasts that you do. But like even that term like breaking into is is like with the idea that like almost like you didn't even belong there. Right. Or the or like, right. Like, did you feel like that going into it? And also identity wise, did you start to be like, well, if, I, if I'm going to fit in, I got to do X, Y and Z. I still feel like that. Right. And it's not like, I still don't feel like, I don't want to fit in. Right. But it's like, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people like want to fit in. It's like, I don't want to fit yeah. in. Like, I, like, I, like, I'm here, but like, I'm still me. Right. Like, I like, if, um, but yeah, I mean, you have to, I had to break into it because, you know, Wall Street and finance is like the original, like, breaking into tech. It's like, elitist type thing <laughs> right the the masters of the universe the big swinging yeah. of america like all that type of stuff right the, the people that have the powers bigger than money it's the power they don't want nobody in mm-hmm. i'll tell you what i mean like it's very clear it's by design they only recruit from certain schools mm-hmm. they, they make it seem like it's 
extremely hard to get into. Like, extremely hard to learn. Like, they make investment bankers seem like they're, like, rocket scientists. But, like, yeah, yeah. the financial model is, like, basic algebra. Like, you learn it anywhere. Like, it's not it's not really hard. Um, anybody can learn this stuff. And, like, once you start learning this stuff, you're like, wow, this is this is a game. Like, they, yeah. they're just trying to hold the power. Um, and so, like, you have to, un- you have to, like, understand how the game works if you want to, like, win at the game. So that's the first thing. You can't just be, like, F the system, like, fight the power, like, burn it down. Like, yeah. I mean, you can, but that wasn't my approach. Like, my approach was, like, I want to understand how this game works. Like, I want, I want to follow the money trail. Like, where does, like, where does it go? And, um, and so I had to understand how they recruit and how they find people. And so, like, yeah, I, I, had, to, I had to break in. Like, I had to discover, like, you know, actually, pre-investment banking, I started, like, understanding these, like, systemic barriers, for example. Um, I, I worked at Abercrombie and Fitch and Hollister. And, like, mm-hmm. they made you shave your face. I was like, why, yeah. does shave, why, why does it make me shave my face? Right? And they, like, don't let you wear black. Like, why can't I wear black clothes? It's my favorite color to wear. Yeah, I love black, right? And like in investment banking, same thing. Like you can't wear black. It's like a black suit. It's like you're going to a funeral. But like, is it is that really what they're trying to do? Or is it is it more subtle? I don't know. But yeah. there might be something there. I thought that was kind of weird, right? They, but and they still they still do that though. It's crazy. They do. They and do. like I I mean, what what you when you said that, I was thinking about. Like out of your at a really early age, my grandfather would tell me to shave and to do all these things. Matter of fact, in high school, I went to all boys Catholic high school. And they made they, you couldn't have facial hair um, below your earlobe, like uh-huh. like you would have detention. Uh-huh. So I only had a goatee, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. No, no, I'm sorry, I only uh-huh. had a mustache. That's the only thing they let you uh-huh. wear. And um, I think it's just this idea around like what a professional is supposed to look like. Um, yeah. Yo, even even I don't know if you like when you get a chance to go on the website, like we do a lot of art to really challenge the idea around like what professionalism is supposed to look like. So one of the pieces we did, which people don't really know what it means, but it's the Yankees with beards. It's like iconic Yankee players. That's and interesting. <laughs> yeah. But in, all right, so in New York state, they just turned this law back that said it's illegal to discriminate based on like facial hair. So, yo, even in high school, so it went beyond hair. It's like dreadlocks, braids. You can't do any of that stuff. Right. Um, so the Yankees, they have this policy where like, they don't let their players, um have beards they're um god what's that baseball player that went from the pirates to the yankees like he almost didn't come because he didn't want to shave his dreads but he ended up shaving it just to play on the yankees and it's one of those things like when we want to be part of these like larger institutions that we feel are are um like we just put these motherfuckers on a pedestal we'll just like we'll do whatever they say right so yeah i'll send you the link later but i thought about that oh and what i was gonna say is my grandfather growing up he would tell me do you see presidents with beards do you see CEOs with beards, right? Uh-huh. And do you see them with tattoos? That's why, that's why I don't have any of that stuff, man. I don't, I don't have tattoos or earrings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but, I mean, but I wanted to when I was younger. I same. Mean, part, of the, part of the reason why I don't do it is because my mother and father don't want me to do it, which is a yeah. different conversation. But, like, yeah. to your point, like, you know, people people would say, you know, it's interesting you say that because um, there was um, one of my mother's best friends. Uh, she's from Barbados. She was like this, like consultant for like professionalism. So she would say, um, "What are the five adjectives that people think when you walk in a room before you say a word, any word, right?" So like the way you dress matters, right? 
people are going to form an opinion. People are going to stereotype no matter what they tell you. Right? They're going to, they're, even if that's not their conclusion, they're going to have an initial thought of who you are based off of like how you're dressed, how you, your posture and all these other things. And so she would like, let's say that like your five adjectives are like confident, happy, humble, passionate, whatever. I don't know, pick, pick whatever. Then she would ask you, all right, what does confident look like? You know, what does a businessman look like? Or what does a businesswoman look like? All these things. And so, you know, act accordingly. And so, you know, it's still subjective. And it, it really comes down to like the media that you've exposed to, you've been exposed to, or the environments that you've been around to know or to tell yourself what that actually looks like. But to your point, many people believe that looks like someone that's not, someone that looks like us, someone that is clean shaven, someone that doesn't have tattoos, um, and so on and so forth, right? Doesn't have cuts in the eyebrows and all these other things, right? You know, and so, and so like, as, as you're thinking about, like, um, what successful looks like, um, the environment and the media that you're on matters. And so going back to, to what we're talking about, um, Abercrombie kind of, like, started showing me these suspended stomach barriers. Um, investment banking started exposing me to that one. I learned that, like, you, you can't buy black suits. And then when I got my midterm review, or like my mid-year review in investment banking, um, it was interesting because I, I started my career in Chicago, um, which isn't New York, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 <laughs> and, um, and I grew up thinking dress the part that you want, mm -hmm. right? So, or dress the part that you think that you the, the way you think is supposed to dress. So, like I'm in finance, so I think everybody wears suits. So. I wore a suit every day at the bank. But when I got my review, the review was Ruben is cocky. Um, he thinks that he is bigger than he is um, because I was wearing a suit, not realizing that the other investment banking analysts wore button down shirts. And that was part of Chicago culture. It wasn't like wear suit culture. But then when I went to Atlanta, in the bank in Atlanta, and I wore button-down shirts and not suits. They thought I was lazy, like disrespectful, because everybody in Atlanta that's a banker wears suits, right? So like that type of stuff is like things that you don't learn in school, at least if you didn't go to these types of elite institutions. And so I had to like learn that on the job. And a lot of times you're not going to learn that without talking to other people, right? Yeah. Yeah, communication is really important. Communication, verbally and non-verbally, is very important. I'm interested too, though, because you, like, growing up, right, you grew up around a lot of people that look like you, but then you you were in certain spaces, for example, like playing the cello, right? You said this before, right? Let's be real. Like, there are not that many Black people playing the cello, right? So I'm wondering, like, was you playing the cello the first time where you had to think about, like, like, do I have to change part of myself to fit in? Like, because you, you said yourself, like, I don't want to fit in. But I'm sure at some point you wanted to, right? I'm, I'm, I think we all do at some point. So, or was it in investment what, banking? What, I don't know. When I, when I say this, I hope it doesn't come off the wrong way. So, <laughs> okay. I'm going to say it anyway. I play the cello well, right? Okay. So, I play the cello well. So, I never really dealt with the disrespect for being a, a, a black cellist because like I could hang with the best of them. 
<laughs> that doesn't mean that people may not have given me my credit where it's due. And I like they might not have like rated me properly and when I know that I play better than everybody. But um yeah, I've always kind of been myself. Like like when during the dipset era, I performed on stage in the church with the jersey on. <laughs> like <laughs> like like so like I like I always I always did me, you know. I mean, it was never a big issue. Um, with that said, um, yeah, sometimes you, yeah, you, you like I wear the, I, I definitely wear the tuxes. I def, it's not like I rebel for no reason. I like wearing suits. I like tuxes. I like to dress up. I love looking good. I love the stage. Like that's, I love that. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there's anything wrong with like code switching. I think that like if you're in an environment where that's if you're in Rome, act like the locals do. Like if I'm gonna be in like I don't know, a different country or if I then I'm gonna like try to like fuel the culture as much as possible, you know? Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I I don't know if I answered your question, but that's nah. No, <laughs> nah, that makes sense. It's it's one of those things like you know, judge me on my merit of of the work that I do and the output that I do, right? So like in many ways, like your confidence probably comes from like the output that you produce. Right. Um, I mean, for me, at least I remember going into, so, I mean, I've always been in tech. Like I was, I was previously at Facebook for four years and I'm at, now I'm at TikTok. And, um, I remember like, I'm, I consider myself relatively confident, but I remember just like looking around and being like, yo, no one looks like me here. And I didn't see anyone that simple question, right? Like people be like, Oh, would you do this weekend? Right. And for me, I was like, Oh shit! What do I say? What do I say? And I would assign Ooh. myself hope. I would assign myself homework on the weekends to like. So instead of watching Insecure, which I really want to watch, I, I saw uh, like three seasons of, of Riverdale just to be able to join in on a conversation. Because, um, yeah. So like people would ask me, "Oh, what'd you do this weekend?" And I'd be like, "Uh, oh my god, I went to this amazing restaurant. All oh, the French toast was to die for. This, this, and that." Meanwhile, what I really did, I was uptown Manhattan hookah bottles popping twerking everywhere right humping strangers consensually consensually right yeah but um i remember saying that to people eventually when i got the confidence and people would be like that that's that's where you go right so it's like i can't win like if i'm not myself then i'm spending time where i could be working and being productive but when i am myself i get hit with these microaggressions it's like so for me, it's like, even goes beyond that what, like for it, me, it was the opposite. Really? It was the opposite because <laughs> I heard that, that banking was like models and bottles. And so when I got to Chicago, I had to like the condo on the 25th floor. And I'm like, yeah, it's about to be a party. It's about to be lit. What? And so like I was, I, and everybody was partying. Like I was like, we were going and we had the parties. And so when people ask me what I'm doing on the weekend, I'm like, we're turning up this weekend. <laughs> and, and, that also came up in my video review. And so I had to like change it and be like, I'm working on a project this weekend and I'm working on this and I'm working on that. Or I'm watching the OC. Um, like, OC? <laughs> like, <what? laughs> like, like, I, like that's, yeah. So this is interesting. It's interesting. I had to learn how to like communicate, like, you know, there's a concept of FaceTime, right? In mm -hmm. banking, like where, 
yeah, you're working 80, working 8,200 hours a week, but like people just want to show their face in the office. And this is different than, I would say different in some tech environments, but like at least in investment banking, like some people will like purposefully send emails at like two or 3 a.m. to show that they're going in when like they're out at the club. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they so got like, the email <laughs> scheduled to send at 2 a.m.? Yes, yes. And like this, but like you learn a lot of those tricks. You learn like all that type of stuff. And that doesn't mean like there hasn't been legit all nighters that we've pulled where we did yeah. work all day long. That doesn't yeah. mean that we didn't have legit 800 hour weeks, which we absolutely did. So all those rumors and stories are absolutely true. Yeah. But you have to play the game because like everybody cares about their bonus and the bonus is all about kissing people's behind and playing politics. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think this was interesting too, man. Like you said this before, and I've said this as well. It's like in certain careers, right? Like even in tech, everyone has relatively the same skill set, right? What's really important, and I think this is what you're really good at, is that you can navigate in so many worlds and just have a conversation, right? Like I think you said something like, like everyone focused on on the technical skills, but what's really important is these like soft skills, these personable skills, because at the end of the day, the reason why I was faking it and code switching all those things. I just wanted to be invited out to get to the beer, to meet that executive, to then have the meeting so that I could then get promoted, right? So um, is, is that something you've experienced as well, is like the real way to move ahead is really through personal experiences? Yeah, one of our um, guiding principles at, at Career Karma is listen to understand and communicate effectively, right? So what that means is if I'm speaking to someone in my language, like in my vernacular, like the way that I grew up, it's not always going to land and and be effective in order to like get to where I want to go. So that's not code switching to me. Mm. Me communicating in your language is me listening to you and understanding that like if I don't communicate in your language, it's not going to translate well and it's not going to lead to the outcome that we're going for. Right. Mm. So whenever you're assessing who you're speaking with or who you're at or interacting with, you got to understand not just their language, you got to understand their culture, you got to understand their upbringing, you have to understand their limits, you got to understand what they're sensitive to, what they're not sensitive to, you got to understand pronouns, you got to understand like all kinds of like deep, 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 deep things that like take a lot to, to learn. Um, so I'm very anti code switching, but I'm very pro communicating effectively mm -hmm. so yeah no that's very interesting man that's very interesting and when, when did you realize that like did you have some some stumbling where you try to communicate a certain way and then you realize like it wasn't getting through i think it comes down to like being someone that's like a black kid with a southern spanish accent that can't speak english that's not accepted by anybody and trying to figure out how to get accepted by everybody because like in the beginning i told you like people didn't accept me but like I, w I wanted to be cool i wanted to be the guy with a lot of swag like i was like dang how does that guy go all the girls like oh super confident like he just like believes in himself like that confidence like super it exudes or like you know so so i figured out like how to identify who are the most popular people mm -hmm. or the, because like a lot of, to your point, the, the person that is the best at their job, isn't the most popular. 
<laughs> the person that is the best at the job isn't the most uh, successful. Um, and in America, we live in a celebrity culture, right? And so to your point, you know, part of communicating effectively is the way you dress, right? And like understanding what are the trends, like what shows people are watching, um, like what memes are popular, um, mm -hmm. what music is popular, and being able to like include those quotes and and those different things into into a professional conversation. Yeah. Um, and there's like very, very, very few people that can do both of those things. And like, like you said, I wanted to be a public facing person that could be who I am building a tech driven company that yeah. isn't just a billion dollar outcome. I want like $100 billion outcome with swag, with like everything that people talk about, like that mm -hmm. I grew up with aspiring to be like with, you know, the club promoters and the musicians and all these other things. But like, mm -hmm. I want to make tech cool. How do we make, how do we make tech cool? We really have to make tech cool because if we don't make it cool, millions and billions of people are going to be screwed. Yeah. They're going to be screwed. Like they're still aspiring for these other things while every like while the world is, is being reorganized by tech people and if we don't empower ourselves with these skills we're going to continue to be digital cotton pickers forever and we got to stop doing that wow and why why do you think getting people into tech is so important because millions and billions of jobs are being created and destroyed and the people that are driving the value of these companies are black and brown people, um, Instagram, TikTok, um, Clubhouse, um, Twitter, like Netflix. You talked about insecure. That's us, bro. Mm -hmm. Well, who's 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 getting the value out of it, right? <laughs> Not us. Even 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 in sports, right? And I might ruffle feathers when I say this, but like the way I see, like sports, music, and movies. It's kind of like glorified menstrual shows, right? I've always thought about that. Yeah. But like, yeah, you got a $100 million contract, but like, why people sit in their box and watch us play or fight each other or compete against each other and win trophies for each other and get mad when we don't win a, a Grammy award, mm. right? I'm not saying there's nothing respectable or honorable about sports or music or, or movies. Mm -hmm. Like how many black sports owners do you know? How many black movie studio owners do you know? How many black record label owners do you know? Yeah. Right? I think what Jay-Z did with title is, is a step in the right direction. Um, but like we do, how many, we don't have that many um, black people that have built um, billion dollar companies. And when I say that, I mean, we have people like Tope, right? From Calendly, Nigerian dude in Atlanta, $3 billion valuation, killing it. Uh, we got Flutter, Flutter Wave, just got a billion dollar valuation, killing it. Um, we have Michael Seibel with Twitch, killing it. But like, you know, historically, tech created um, things that were nice to have, like Snapchat and Instagram and TikTok, I'm just using these analogies. Like these are like luxury things that aren't essential in life. Like if you shut them down, like society will continue. 
Mm. However, now tech is moving into things that are need to have, like healthcare, like housing, like education, like government, like energy, like food, right? Security, right? If those things are, let's use security as an example, are created by white people that might have great intentions in their heart, but they're using information that has wrongfully incarcerated black and brown people, that might continue to accelerate wrongdoings against our communities. Right? So we have to have people that understand the issues that are happening in these different environments, creating these, these products so that our people don't continue to be screwed over. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what, that's why I think that. And also, um, because when you talk about like careers and people mm -hmm. and, and things that like set you up for generational wealth, um, the jobs that we're in are going to be gone. And like, if you look at the stats for black and brown people, it's like pretty much going to go down to zero in the next like decade or two. And unless we start positioning ourselves towards these roles that not just position our, our, ourselves well from a salary perspective, but also give us ownership into things like mm -hmm. Bitcoin or property, um, um, NFTs, things like that, yeah. startups, um, et cetera. Yeah, and I, I love what you're doing with Career Karma, but I think, and I, sorry, and what I really love about it is that a lot of these boot camps or like training programs and educational services online, it's really just about like getting that person the job. What I think is really important and, and what you all do is really create that squad, right, which you all call for after the job. It's not just about getting the job, but it's about supporting our community all the way through and really pairing them up. So it's like you said, man, it's, it's a community because I've been I've been in these tech companies and it's really difficult when you look around and you don't see anyone that looks like you. And some of these things that are said to you and you look around and you're like, yo, am I bugging? Or did she just tell me that? my PowerPoint slide look ghetto. Like, no one else heard that? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's interesting you say that, man, because, like, I think I've touched on this on a podcast, but not too deep. But, like, yeah. when I, to get it, and I'm going to just use the investment banking analogy again. Mm -hmm. I had to, I, I discovered that investment banks have, like, these diversity hiring programs through, mm -hmm. like, sponsors for educational opportunity and, and uh, management leadership for tomorrow, SEO and MLT, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I couldn't be in that because I was also outside the system. I didn't go to the right schools. Mm -hmm. I, I graduated off time. And so I, like, hacked my way into the system by, like, cold emailing everybody, getting the mock interviews, setting up a, a booth in the career fair, and then being in the, in, in the bank. And when I got to the bank, even though I didn't go to Morehouse, shout out to Morehouse, they accepted me as one of their own. So I was, like, an honorary, like, Morehouse guy within the bank even though I can't because I didn't go to Morehouse. But, like, those are still, like, my brothers. And so whenever we're dealing with, like, things like what you just brought up with the PowerPoint slide, um, I could relate to them. And I'm still very good friends with, like, Todd Giles, James Moss, who's actually an angel in career karma, and, and many other people that, like, really held it down from the beginning. Um, but those communities are really important. So, like, is, what you're describing is, like, like, Part of the reason why we created Career Come the way we created is because, like, it's the product we wish that we had when we were breaking into the tech. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
So where where are the other people that look like me? And for the people that don't know what career karma is, like we match people to the job training programs that you need, but more importantly, we match you to the people that are like you, that are gonna be with you during the program so that when you get to the job search, you can identify who's hiring. Yeah. Um, you can understand how to communicate effectively without code switching and being true to yourself. And um, understand if, if people are trying to play you, right? Because like, if I'm a, if I'm a woman or, or anybody that's like, sometimes disrespectful in a society, and I get a, a job offer that's lower than I I deserve. Um, and there's another woman in the company that's in career comma that got a higher offer at the same company. She could tell you that you need to negotiate mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. you need to get paid what you deserve, right? So like those those squads are very important and it's a very subtle thing. And I'm glad that you brought it out because you know our premise is people change careers five or more times in their lifetime. And you need people that um, that look like you or that have been through what you've been through with you forever um you can't just be like blessed to be born in atlanta georgia or blessed to be born in like a multicultural place like new york like mm-hmm. we want to give that to everybody so yeah yeah nah i'm, I'm glad you touched on that point as, as well man it is so important and yeah it because it, it, it's not it's not just enough to create community like you need to have those conversations have someone that that honestly like you just know that you're not alone in that situation because i think many of us go through things that we feel like we're alone in that um and it's something interesting that you mentioned, man, sort of like as, as we're like quickly running out of time, um, like we're in this like popular celebrity culture ass kind of thing. Right. Uh, and it's so interesting, man, because I, you said this in another podcast as well is like we are our, our own brand in many ways. Right. And like there's career karma, but there's also like the brand of Ruben. Right. The cellist, all these other things. But like social media for me is so interesting because I remember at certain jobs, it was like, oh, you are who you are at work. No one sees your social media, right? When I got to Facebook, it was different because everyone added each other. It was like, oh my God, what's your Instagram? What's your Facebook? This and that. So I had to not only think about intentionally, what is this persona and image and brand that I'm, that I'm presenting at work, but also outside of work, right? And people do these like close friends group and all those things. And I've always been against that, right? But um, do you think about some of those things as a CEO, as someone that gets you know, investment from all these, all these different companies. Like I know at this point, you're just like, I am who I am, but like, tell me about that thought process, man. Yeah, no, I definitely think about it. Like, you know, a lot of people talk about how like every tech company is a, is a media company. But like you said, I think every, I think every human is a media company and every human is a brand. And it's interesting because um, you know, the most popular social network, uh, professional social network is, is LinkedIn, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got thoughts on that. But most of the world wouldn't look good. Most of the working world wouldn't look good on LinkedIn if they had a profile because a lot of them didn't go to college. Mm. They're working in jobs that, like, recruiters wouldn't be, like, blowing you up for. And... Like when we think about like creating profiles on career combo, we want to make sure that no matter who you are, that you look good on career combo. Like even if you have zero work experience, and that's that's super important. Um, and there's this concept called social capital. That I think is very important to understand, where people are are helping each other in different ways, um, like using like celebrity culture again. Like sometimes you gotta like 
get your demo tape played by the right person. So like, if you know Rihanna's best friend, like she can play the record for you, and then like now you got the record deal, right? Same type of thing with tech. Like if you just got to get the right person to get you the interview. Same thing with finance. Get the right person to get you the interview so you can get your big break, and then like get the job offer, right? Um, a lot of times people try to figure out how to hack those things. But, like none of that's like really documented in a very clear way. Like those like those favors, those coffee meetings that are done those um, events that you attended, those conferences that you went to, those panels that you that you spoke on. Right? So how, how do you document like the impact of all of those like interactions that happen that actually lead to where you ultimately want to go? Um, so I think that that's very important to, to document from a perspective. And something that I think that, you know, we talked about Fashion Nova and like how people dress, that I don't think that like people actually um, optimize yet is the power of fashion actually in tech, mm. uh, where pretty much everybody's startup swag looks the same, but you know, it, the, but I think wait, that the, like the khakis, the t-shirt, and some Allbirds. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But like, I think that there's some really powerful movements that you can create by like limited edition clothing. Um, based off of like things that you did for the community. And we actually started doing that a little bit um, when we first started Career Combo with, um, so whenever we had this thing called the 21 day challenge. So whenever people finish uh, 21 days of this five minute a day process that we introduced to get into a bootcamp, we actually gave them a t-shirt and we made sure that the, it said protect your dreams in the back with the Career Combo logo. And it was like written in graffiti and you couldn't buy the shirts. You could only earn it by like, being in the community and helping people and like doing different types of things. But now even today, like people are begging to like get these shirts and like buy these shirts. And the reason why I bring it up is because, um, you know, clothing can be politicized. It can be used for movements. It can be used to like um, raise money uh, for philanthropic reasons and a, and a bunch of things like that, which uh, celebrities do very well. Um, and to your point, like initially I, um, as the CEO that's telling the story of the company, like it is a lot of times like career karma is associated with Ruben's face, but I don't actually mm -hmm. want it to be like that. Mm -hmm. I actually want it to be more like humans of New York, right? Where mm -hmm. humans of New York has like this Instagram with everybody's picture and they have like a caption that tells their story. But imagine if I could have like every single profile in career karma tell a story like humans of New York about how they went from mom to get hired and like, really do that that would be bigger right and in no shade to humans in europe but like it will be bigger right <laughs> and so like <laughs> but like that's that's how we're, we're thinking about it and then like if you can also introduce like these different elements that we're talking about i think it'd be good and then the last thing that i'll say is about making it cool um a lot of uh the people that i love that i was inspired by like that are in sports and music and movies even though i talked about how they glorify mental shows they're also starting to realize that they're in the game too and that the real game is in tech that's why you're seeing things like mm -hmm. title and like and the moves that, that um people like um Aston kutcher are making or uh, jessica alba or baron davis um they're they're making big tech plays that you that you may not have seen before um and currently most of the celebrities are talking about investing in tech but the problem is is the athletes and the musicians and the and the movie stars, they don't really understand how the tech game is played. They like align themselves with 
a VC that knows the game more than they do. They just kind of like giving them the money and the VC yeah. invests for them. And they're yeah. like, yeah, we win. Like, yeah, shout yeah. out to Nas. By the way, Nas won a Grammy today, which is great. And shout out to his investment in Coinbase. He has one of the best portfolios out there. But like, it's uh-huh. important for, for them to know the game and investing. But the problem with media, and I, I'm just, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but like the problem with media the podcast is. is it has an overemphasis on CEOs, entrepreneurship, and venture capital. But what we actually need to be preaching in the media is like how to get just basic tech skills to get in the game because most people aren't built to be an entrepreneur. And like a lot of people currently don't have the capital to invest in tech like that. So if you can get, let's say, for example, we have this campaign called Reskill America where we're giving away 5,000 laptops. If I get 5,000 people to get jobs in tech making $100,000, that's a half a billion dollar impact, (laughs) right? That they collectively control and they have tech skills. You could pull that money and you can actually like create like your own companies or invest in each other and do a bunch of things. Like I talked about this with Jay-Z's DJ Young Guru. Mm. We talked about how do we help 10,000 people learn how to code? That's a billion dollar impact, right? And like really start doing a lot of things. So the the last thing that I'll say is like, I think that from a personal brand celebrity type thing, what we can do is like really start making tech skills cool and make it, make it, very clear that anybody can do it and it's you don't have to be like just a brainiac nerd it's just a language speaking of communication that like mm-hmm. we talked about in the beginning mm-hmm. and people learn new languages every day what's the fastest way to learn the language what's the fastest if i want to learn french what should i do go to france oh, go to france. <laughs> <laughs> right if i want to learn spanish like where should i go i mean go to spain go to puerto rico go to yeah. cuba Whatever, you're gonna learn it real fast. You're like, oh, it's possible to learn French in like three months. I bet you if you go there, you'll figure out how to survive. Uh-huh. Same type of thing. Like, what did we do from Atlanta? We bought a one way ticket to San Francisco and just immersed ourselves in the environment. There was no way back. I had a place to live for a month. If I didn't figure it out, I would have I would have I would have got kicked out of my house. That was September twenty fourteen. I'm still here. There's not a lot of people that look like me here. By the way. I know, man. I know. <laughs> you know, so so <laughs> so anyway, long long story short, like I think I think that's what we gotta do. Yeah. And yeah, no, nah, for sure, man. I, I agree on and as we wrap up, man, just wanna say that I love what you're doing, man, because by being you, like you're essentially being a mirror for other people, man. Somebody's looking at you and be like, Yo, that dude looks like me. Like if he's in that industry, I could be in that industry kind of thing, right? But it's not even just you as Ruben, right? Because you, with career karma, you're also building representation that is so needed, man. And that representation is so important because, you know, they, they say that, you know, we can't be what we can't see, right? And by you single, well, not single-handedly, right? Like, you're not doing this alone, but you, career karma, like, you are getting so many more people into these environments so that people like me don't have to feel like I'm alone. Right. Uh, so I just want to say, I appreciate it. And I'll end with this last question, man. Like what's one thing that continues to empower and inspire you to continue being the most authentic self, despite where you are. Um, I know for a fact that I'm doing what I was born to do um and that drives me every day um there was a time when 
multiple times in my life where I almost lost my life. And then like there was like one moment when the paramedic said, you must come from a praying family because uh, you should have died tonight. And that's when I started shifting my mindset to where I, I, I'm just here on this earth to uh, believing that I'm chosen to do something. And I think that we're all chosen to do something. And we're all blessed with spiritual gifts that are buried deep down inside. And we have to like move in that way and like not let any minute be wasted because you never know when you're going to go. Um, and I'll say that that's, that's, that's what I would say. Like if you, if you could start like really truly believing that you're chosen to do something and, and like just living life, trying to figure that out, you're going to wake up with a fire inside you every single day. That's going to, that's going to really um, light you up. I also look at people like um, David Goggins. David Goggins is a big, 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 big inspiration to me. Um, and he also has a very similar mindset about like what we are all fully capable of. Um, and I highly encourage people to read his book, Can't Hurt Me. So he's, he's someone that, that inspires me a lot. And the other person that inspires me a lot is a, a guy named Masayoshi Son, who's the founder of SoftBank. And his just like, 300 year vision like a lot of times when people think about a a future of tech they usually talk about singularity ai machine learning but like and how robots are coming to destroy us but he has more of an optimistic view and he has a he he helps people dream one of our guiding principles at career compass dare to dream so he's willing to not just dream big and put his money where his mouth is but he also believes in betting on people that have a twinkle in their eyes um and we want to do the same thing i see spike lee in the back who you got here um and i think it's important to like really like you said put those images up not just like black and brown people but people from uh different religions uh people with disabilities people with like seemingly high barriers or high limitations that like have been shattered many 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 different times um and i just like i just like to see things like that um, and seeing what people people have overcome, and when I see that, then then that that keeps me moving forward.